14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 164 of 41 on 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And after all the films we've watched this month, I'm convinced, fine, my next house will not be built on dead people. That's always a good rule of thumb, really. Is it really your choice, though? I mean, they never know. That's true. I don't know. I passed a cemetery sign. A cemetery that had a sign in front of it today that said for rent. So, isn't that more for buy? I would think. Why was it a buy cemetery? I don't think so. Hey, it made its own choices of its lifestyle. You can't judge. (laughs) The hell are we talking about? (laughs) Thanks, Obama. (laughs) Now our ghosts are gay. (laughs) Boo. hell just happened <laughs> any questions <laughs> hello there i'm spencer the gay ghost <laughs> oh no the new character <laughs> boo and stuff <laughs> i've just had it with the amityville people <laughs> fabulous right, moving on like the ghost uh, of paul lind <laughs> if you're looking for something fabulous you can always turn to the podcast collective where you can find such shows as the Bad Parenting Podcast, On the Block, No Hope for Humanity, The Coffin Joe Cast, Joel's Own the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, Dating Baggage, The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, I Am Salt Lake, Mint Inbox Cast, Tales from the Hard Side, The Dog and Deuce Show, The Empty Rant pa- Podcast, and The Rad Dad Radio Hour. Yes, and if you'd like to hear our older stuff, it's on uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. If you'd like to talk to us, 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And I think our prayers have been answered. We've got voicemails. Yeah, we've got some listener feedback. We've got three. Three. What? Yeah. Yeah, after all this time uh, with no uh, some people talking to us on Twitter. Uh, Mike, you got all three of them? I have two of them. So let's start with that one. This is from William Slacker. Hey guys, it's Slacker, and uh, I'm listening to one of your older episodes, uh, the one about Stranger Things and E.T., and uh, I just had a question, well not really a question, but it's a statement. Why do you guys keep giving Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull shit? That's a good movie. I like that movie. Everybody's like, oh, he couldn't possibly survive a nuclear blast in a lead-lined refrigerator. Does anybody else remember him jumping out of a fucking plane in the Himalayas with a fucking raft and then snowboarding to safety like Sean fucking White? I remember that shit, but no, I just remember the fucking last one when he was older. God damn it, I like that movie. What the fuck? Alright, I like the whole movie. The Shia LaBeouf shit, that was stupid. And the monkey part was stupid. And uh, anything with George Lucas was stupid. But all, all in all, I like the whole movie, mainly. Anyway, stop giving the Indiana Jones shit. Like a show. Bye. I will admit that going after Crystal Skull just for the opening is the laziest possible criticism. It's not wrong, but it's also not anywhere close to the worst thing with the movie. True. What movie? I don't even know what <laughs> movie you guys are talking about. Oh, boy. Yeah. And we're here. I'm not yeah. sure if he's not lying or not. I mean, he doesn't know what Rescue Rangers are. True. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't know what this fifth Indiana, the fourth Indiana Jones movie is. Uh, Never heard of such a thing. He's doing a bit. Well, You're doing a bit. I'll bit you. South Park. All right. Well, old uh, Slacker Man 
has some more Slacker comments. Jedi. It's funny. Hey guys, it's Slacker, and uh, I'm listening to one of your older episodes, uh, the one about Stranger Things and ET. Deja vu. Or I sent the hell. That sounds like the same voicemail. It's 100% the same voicemail. I know. Unless maybe he sent me the same thing twice. Hang on. Hey guys, it's Slacker, and uh, I'm listening to one of your older episodes, uh, the one about Stranger Things and ET. Okay, that's the Is latest. Is this Groundhog Day? This may, be, <laughs> this may be Groundhog Day. Hang on, I got one from him on the 21st and the 24th. Let's see, what is this? So this is the put first. Your little hand in hey guys, it's Slacker, and I. Uh, you fucker, you made me all happy. I thought we had two voicemails. You sent me the same one. Well, we do have another one. Cool. Play it. Ooh. Good old- hey, guys, listener. I know it's been a while, but I'm still 14 episodes behind. Waiting for the, uh, waiting for the show. Yeah, I figured I'd call you guys in just uh, so you guys have a voicemail or two here, you know, so it's not completely dry. But, uh... Like I said, once you guys get that Arnold show done, you're going to have a lot of fucking voicemails. I guarantee it. 13 episodes, 14 episodes and counting. Imagine what I have to say about every single one of them. <laughs> oh, boy. But I'll keep this civil. I won't scream and tell how much of a fucking asshole you guys are. I'm not going to do it. So, bust did. to the front, I suppose. <laughs> do you deserve it? So, uh, we've that got was the saddest butts to the front he's ever given us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, it's coming up soon, next month. Yeah. It, it, it's, uh, we're, we're not doing an Arnold show. We're doing two. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, we're doing a then for an entire show and a now for an entire show. Yeah, I'm we're so f- excited. Yeah, we figure you guys have, uh, waited long enough, but you'll have to wait one more week. Uh, we'll get into at the uh, end of the show as we normally do. Uh, it's not coming next week, but uh, should be the week after. Yep. <clears throat> That's the first time we've done a person show in two parts. Yes. Yeah, we kind of have to with him. <laughs> he's, a big, he's a big dude. Going he's to, a righteous dude. Going to cut him in half. Hey. <laughs> and that's Arnold Schwarzenegger talk for. It's about that time. It is about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. I approve. Nice. <laughs> well, too bad we can't stay. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is the date is July 27th, 1979. The release of the Amityville Horror. Music. The number one song in the land of the free is Bad Girls by Donna Summer. I love that song. She's talking about the bad girls. Not about those sad girls. The bad, bad girls. I'm pretty much... Uh, celebrate every moment of Donna Summer's catalog right there. I mean, it's... <laughs> That's not one of my favorite Donna Summer songs. What? Yeah. It gets played a lot on the radio, and I don't know, it's not an amazing song objectively, but it makes me happy every time it gets played. Yeah. What is your favorite Donna Summer song, Patrick? Um, Last Dance, probably. Oh, that's Ooh, a good That good is choice. a good one. Nice. <clears throat> Keith Richard Godchow was a singer-songwriter who played keyboard for the Grateful Dead for eight years in the 70s. He died from massive head trauma from a car accident coming home from a party when he just turned 31 years old. <gasps> Yikes. He toured with the band for the next 12 years. 
I had it. That's a good punchline. Nice. On July 28th, the World Series of Rock is held at Municipal Stadium in Cleveland, Ohio. The bill is headlined by Aerosmith and Ted Nugent, and openers include Journey, Thin Lizzy, ACDC, and The Scorpions. Following the concert, an argument backstage resulted in Joe Perry's wife throwing a glass of milk at Tom Hamilton's wife. After a heated argument between Tyler and Perry, Perry quit Aerosmith partway through the recording of the album Night in the Ruts. With the remainder of his parts played by temporary guitarists, Joe Perry rejoined the group in 1984. The most, the biggest question I have about this entire statement is why is there a glass of milk? <laughs> because they were clean at this point, so there were no drugs backstage. It was only milk and cookies. And- I'm gonna go with bullshit on that one. And tea sandwiches. <laughs> Cucumber sandwiches that you eat with your pinky up. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> 250,000 people turned out in Central Park on July 31st for a free concert by James Taylor in a campaign to restore Sheep Meadow. <laughs> what is Sheep Meadow? It's part of Central Park. Okay. Oh. Okay. Interesting. That makes sense, then. It was um, mostly devoured by sheep, so yeah. they had to restore it. And James it. Taylor. Yeah, it's yeah. actually named Sheep Meadow because way back in the day, in the founding of the city, it, they did actually store sheep there. Huh, I was screwing around. Yep. <laughs> Unfortunately, the... Money used to restore Sheep Meadow was used to restore the park after 250,000 people stomped all over it. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, on to movies. The villain. He's building up an immunity. I guess so. The villain, a movie we will be discussing next month, was also released this week, but the number one spot in the land is the Amityville Horror. Are you guys familiar with the villain? No. Yes. Oh, it's... Uh... One of Arnold's first movies. Uh, it's a Western. <laughs> <laughs> right. He barely speaks English, um, and his character's name is Handsome Stranger. And uh, the other two people in the movie are Anne Margaret and, um, um, oh, God, I, I went blank all of a sudden, uh, um, Kirk Douglas. With the mustache. Yeah. Kirk, it, and it's like a live-action, wily coyote, over-the-top comedy Western. Yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Really Really ridiculous, but we'll talk about it next huh. month. I'll have to check it out. All right. I actually own it. I'm it not surprised. Movie. Yeah. It was a hard one to find. <laughs> we ready for this one? Uh-oh. Holy okay. crap. Yeah, this is a this is a long... I had to cut this down because there was so much to say about this guy. But <laughs> Here we go. On March 12th, 1910... Well, I think we know how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> Domenico Antonio Galento was born, and he grew to be a heavyweight boxer, film actor, and all-around character. He was known as Tony Two-Ton Galento for his reasoning for being late to one of his fights. I had two tons of ice to deliver on my way here. One of the most colorful fighters ever, he once wrestled an octopus and boxed a kangaroo as publicity stunts, and he also boxed a 550-pound bear as a stage attraction. Standing five foot nine and weighing 235 pounds, Galento was a no-holds-barred brawler with a wicked left hook, and he often broke ring rules to win. He was also known to refrain from showering as a strategy and was once described as smelling of rotten tuna and a tub of old liquor being sweated out. (laughs) He was reputed to train on beer, and he allegedly ate 52 hot dogs on a bet just before a fight, and the waistline of his trunks had to be slit for him to fit into them. (laughs) Galento claimed that he could not move for three rounds. Nevertheless, he knocked out his opponent with a left hook in the fourth. (laughs) He once fought Joe Lewis for the title and was the first man to knock him to the canvas, although he lost in four rounds. 
His record was 80-26-5 with 57 knockouts. He retired from boxing in 1943 and applied his talents to the world of professional wrestling and acting and was given roles in the following films. Wind Across the Everglades, The Best Things in Life Are Free, Guys and Dolls, and the acronym of the week, OTW, which of course is the classic Objectify the Women. <laughs> it was a different time. It would, that, that would be an OT, OTD, Objectify the Dames. Oh, I see. <laughs> no, that was On the Waterfront. He had a role in On the Waterfront. Ah, I see. That was close. And predictably, he died of a heart attack on July 22nd. After eating 53 hot dogs on a bed. <laughs> the final knockout was God's. <laughs> Jesus. Ah, nice. Winner and still undefeated. <laughs> he beat my punchline. Right? That sounds like an amazing guy. Dang, I, was, I saw a picture of him. He looks exactly like you, like you envision him. Yeah, he looks he looks like a short, squatty, beefy mafia type. Yeah. All right. So TV, the top shows in the land are Laverne and Shirley, Three's Company, Happy Days, and Mork and Mindy. Only one of these shows is not connected to the other three. Hmm. Good point. Uh, Detective School premieres on July thirty first, while Good Times shows its last episode on August first. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> Are you saying Detective School rubbed out good times? Yes. I've never even with heard of it. Dynamite. <laughs> They're going to get away with it because they won't. Oh, oh, Jesus. Nice. Wow. You blew up my punchline. <laughs> oh, wow. This is, the, this is the theme for the evening then, huh? This is where we're going? One episodemanship. So. All right. So uh, Sarah Hope Summers was an actress mostly known for portraying Aunt B's friend Clara Edwards on the Andy Griffith Show. Yeah. Uh, and Mayberry RFD. Her film work was quite in the small parts, often unbilled, but she had a credited part as Mrs. Gilmore, one of the witches' coven in the film classic Rosemary's Baby. She acted until a year before her death from a congestive heart failure. On July 22nd, at age 83, and she is currently interned at Walla Walla, Washington. Yikes, so much death in this tweet. Well, <laughs> well you kind of ruined the surprise. I was going to say, this is the first tweet that has death in every category. Uh, huh. Well, 83, it's not like it was, you know, not like she was playing uh, with the um, with the Grateful Dead, you know. <laughs> she could have, though. She's qualified yeah, now. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck, one more up for God. <laughs> BJ <Winner by> knockout. <laughs> God's B- gonna go four and zero in this tweet. BJ Novak, author, director, and actor, most known for playing Ryan on The Office, the U.S. version, was born July thirty first. Yeah, screw that guy. Sports. <laughs> I like. I like him. What's your problem with BJ? Oh, I like a good BJ. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Sports. Rey Mysterio is a former WWE wrestler and current Mexican luchador who last achieved fame on March, 3rd, March 21st, 2015, when a freak in-ring accident fatally broke the neck of a fellow luchador named Pero Aguayo Jr. in the middle of the match. That young luchador was born July 23rd of this week. Huh. See how I snuck the death in there? You it's didn't see s- that one coming. So this was the uh, father, obviously, of Rey Mysterio Jr. No. Oh, it was just this a stage is, thing? Ray Mysterio Jr. I just, there's not a whole lot of people that, you know, we heard of him as Jr. anymore. The actual famous Ray Mysterio, yeah, he actually killed the guy in the ring. Ah. Last year. It was completely accidental. Like, I mean, it was just, a, and watching the video of it, it just, a, it looks like a simple, regular move. 
<clears throat> he's setting him up for the 619, and just when he hits the ropes, he just awkwardly lands and it snapped his neck. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, if for some reason I missed the date on the uh, fatal accident, and I, I assume that it, w- it was back in the 80s, so it was the original Rey Mysterio. Yeah. No, the oh. kid who died in the ring was born during this week. You gotcha. know, that's, it's terrible. I mean, it's pretty bad for the kid in the ring, I mean, for Paraguayo, but I mean, I feel bad for Rey Mysterio, too. I mean, you're... Right. Well, luckily, he knew he noticed something was wrong, and he didn't do his six one nine move, which requires kicking you know, them in the face because he would have been kicking a corpse in the face. Which oh, uh, so luckily he noticed something was wrong and didn't actually perform the move. <laughs> I feel bad for God. Rey Mysterio stole his kill. <laughs> God's up there, like not cool, dude. Really? That's okay. Oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> Moving on. Richard William Sims, born July 23rd, is a Zimbabwean cricketer, an all-rounder who bats in the middle order and bowls right arm off break. A good driver of the ball and is a straight hitter, Sims made his international debut in 2002 in an ODI against Pakistan. Having gone into bat first, Pakistan reached 305-2 to in 50 overs, with Sims bowling nine wicketless overs for 49. Sims then batted at 10 and scored seven not out as Zimbabwe notched up 295 to 9 in their 50 overs. And that means something. Yeah, <laughs> after years, you could have made all that up and I would not know. <laughs> July 23rd, complete nonsense. Wow, that's some fascinating cricket talk. That's a lot of cricket talk. What is an ODI? I don't know. Josh? Oh, shit. I am not prepared for this. <laughs> Oral dick insertion. Garfield. Yeah, it's the, uh, it's an otter driving incident. <laughs> what happens when you put one behind the wheel? It's an older dick internment. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, moving on. On July 28th, Chicago Cub Dave Kingman becomes only the sixth MLB player to have multiple three home run games in a six to four loss to the New York Mets. Yay, Cubs! Losing to the Mets. Never mind. (laughs) Wow, that's how we're going to end the tweet, really? (laughs) Really? We are back from a brief break, and we're going to talk about the Amityville Horror 1979 version. Now, this one's got a... There's been a lot of uh, Amityville movies. Yeah. It seems to be a... you know, But we're just doing this one, because there's bunch, a bunch of sequels, like the My Amityville, the Amityville Terror, and a bunch of stuff. But these are... The two that we're doing is the 79 version and the Ryan Reynolds 2005 version. None of the sequels were any good. Yeah, we're skipping Amityville Dollhouse. No joke. And the and the Amityville Incest. Wait, is that one real? Flowers in the Amityville? Amityville 2 was was all about incest. Was that the one that had the guy from Rocky in it? 
Anyway. I, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bert, uh, um, Bert, not Bert Ward. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Amityville Batman. Bert Young. <laughs> I would Bert watch Mac. that. <laughs> All right. So this one is directed by Stuart Rosenberg, known for other movies, but out of the list of that I saw for, um, Cool Hand Luke. He directed that one also. And The Pope of Greenwich Village. Uh, written by Sander Stern, who wrote the screenplay. Jay Anson wrote the book. Uh, George and Kathy Lutz are both credited as helping out with it, because apparently they were there. Uh, Allegedly. Allegedly. They were, they were the ones that concocted the story, so they yeah. credit. Yeah. It originating the fiction. Yeah. So uh, James Brolin plays George Lutz. Margot Kidder as Kathy. Rod Steiger as Father Delaney. Don Stroud as Father Bolin, Murray Hamilton, Father Ryan, and John Larch as Father Nuncio. And uh, got a little trivia on this one. So even though James Brolin became friendly with George Lutz and his children, he was highly doubtful of their story. Like James Brolin, star Margot Kidder also went on record saying she didn't believe that the Amityville story ever happened. Yeah, I mean, though it was pitched as a true story, the general consensus is it was a cash-in by the Lutzes uh, because the book and movie of Exorcist did so well Mm -hmm. that they concocted this story, and it was a terrifying story. Oh, yeah. I haven't read the book. Pat, you have, though. Yeah, it's one of the the best horror books that I've ever read. Um, I read it in high school. And it was just really, it was really, it's intensely well written and everything. And the version that I read had the extra psychological factor of the, uh, dur- during the printing, as you read through the chapters, flies would randomly like be, you know, drawn into the margins and stuff. And like as you keep kept re- reading, more flies would appear until you got to like the chapter about all the flies. And like it was just flies on every page and everywhere and all over. And then oh. it kind of died down again as you went through. It was kind of. Was cool. there a pick in the window? No, it was Hogger. <laughs> um, that one's right for Josh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Classic wow. Yeah. Uh, so in hopes of getting more publicity for the film, the studio would concoct weird occurrences, uh, stories of weird occurrences on the set of the film. James Brolin's brother was actually used for the image of the bearded man uh, seen appearing in the red room in the cellar. The studio wanted someone who bore a close resemblance to Brolin and discovered that he had a brother who shared a strong resemblance to the star. Uh, Brolin's brother was fitted with a fake beard for the part. Because he is not half the man that James Brolin is. James. But who is, really? I know. Yeah. Josh Brolin? No, yeah, not even. almost exactly half. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, near the end of it, with the with the crazy eyes that James Brolin had going, he was reminding me more of uh, Christian Bale. Oh, yeah, I can kind of see you know, that. That kind of like crazy ass, when, when Christian Bale had all the long hair and everything. Oh, yeah. You know, but, uh, so Rod Steiger's head was rubbed with honey because James Brolin told him to. <laughs> no, they did it to draw the flies on him to get flies to att- attract him. They tried it first with vinegar and it didn't work. Because <laughs> you get more flies with honey. Right? Yeah. Wow. Uh, in 79, <laughs> attorney William Weber. <laughs> Ronald DeFeo's defense attorney filed a lawsuit against the Lutzes, charging them with fraud and breach of contract. He alleged that they reneged on an agreement to collaborate with Weber on the book, had some sequent movie, 
In an interview with the Associated Press, Weber admitted that he and the Lutzit had concocted the horror story scam over many bottles of wine. Yeah, this is famously uh, now known to be a work of fiction concocted by the Lutzes and, and the attorney. And the only person that still sticks to the story is George Lutz himself. Well, it'd be kind of hard for him to stick to it now. Well, yeah. Until yeah, he, the day he died, he stuck to the story. How about that? Fair enough. My God, God went again. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> All he, right. He, he, he did the ultimate stamp of, of I will never turn my back on this story by dying before he ever confessed. All right. One more for God. <laughs> Cha-ching. Still undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> so how many of us was this the first viewing for? I'm not sure I'd seen it all the way through, to tell you the truth. This was another one that I was positive I'd seen multiple times, but uh, maybe I just wasn't paying attention, or maybe I only caught bits and pieces of it when it was on cable or something. I've seen it before. I've seen this movie several times. It's one of my favorite horror movies. It was my first time. Wow. Yeah. I'm discovering there's a lot of movies that I haven't seen. I just I think I've seen, I've seen them. Yeah. Yep. See, all, my, all my movie experience, like we said before, is, you know was you guys consoles <laughs> all the time you spent on Nintendo. I was at the movie theater. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, Margot Kidder was looking a little like Karen Allen in this. She really was. Margot she Kidder looked, was looking pretty hot in this. I thought she looked really good in this movie and I am not a Margot Kidder fan. I, I think she is the 1970s version of Andy McDowell. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Andy Warhol. <laughs> <laughs> nice to look at, but can't act for shit. Well, I'm just saying, we got her in pigtails, we got her dressed as a schoolgirl, we got her doing ballet. Really worked for me. That was a nice look. Yeah. That was kind of... She looked really good in this movie. She She did. I mean, James Brolin, even, you know, and his his junk and his little tidy whities you know. (laughs) Seriously, I actually started taking a tally off these two movies. There were five scenes where Josh Brolin was shirtless. Yeah. In contrast to... Hang on. No, wait, Josh was in this movie? Yeah, Josh, uh, not sorry. James. James Brolin. Until uh, five. My, my dad used to refer to him as Mr. Barbershrize then. <laughs> so, five to five. Uh, were, wait, Ryan Reynolds was shirtless five times too? Five times also, yes. Well, I'd, I'd, I'm glad that they evened out the manliness between the two of them. That's some good continuity people. I know, seriously. <laughs> It's, there's a one thing they got right continuity-wise. Yeah, I was like, don't get me started yet. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's talk about the old one. Okay, first thing I noticed about this movie is that the realtor in the beginning looked like Tim dressed as a woman from the Tim and Eric show. <laughs> <laughs> Great job. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That is, Oh, my God, that's perfect. <laughs> it was just the first, like... Oh, it's a comedy. Nope, nope, that's not, but that's... I the... never would have noticed that if you hadn't said that. That's Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, seriously, with those glasses and everything? Yep. <laughs> so... Oh, in the kitchen. <laughs> this starts out as a really interesting kind of slow burn with them knowing, okay, the house is cheaper than it should be, but there are people that can barely afford a home at all, and they put everything into getting their family into this house. Yep, and their family's kind of got its own problems because uh, you've got this guy who's a contractor, George Lutz, marries Kathy, who already has three kids, and uh, they're trying to get their lives together and 
be like experience the American dream. Mm-hmm. And they were they were looking for a house, you know, in the book. I remember they were looking for a house in like the sixty five seventy thousand dollar range, and this one was eighty thousand dollars, but it was worth about two hundred thousand. It just needed work, and it had the history it had, you know. So yeah, and you know what? Honestly, for eighty thousand dollars for that house, I'd give it a try. Yep, I mean, because that house, honest, I mean, <clears throat> the, the the whole DeFeo, you know, uh, Ronnie DeFeo killing his whole family. That's a that's true. That is definitely that happened in that house. That was a real story. He um, is a real person, and he killed his whole family in that house. Huh. That's so, crazy. So, yeah, so the house, I mean, actually did have you know some lower real estate value because of that. Hmm. Now, would you would you live in a murder house? Uh, I slept in the same bedroom in the exact same spot that my father died in, so I don't I don't have a problem with any of that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm going to take a pass. I mean, houses don't have memories. I mean, it's. Hey, yeah. they proved that that's not true in this film. Yeah, that worked for Brolin, <laughs> too. up a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, the le- and this one, the realtor let him know about the murders. In the, in the 2005 one, it was until the very end where they're, he, they're like, why is this so cheap? Well. Yeah. yeah, now you are required to tell somebody if somebody uh, died in the house. Yeah, full yeah. disclosure. Well, yeah. you think that the Lutzes, they probably moved in there and they're like, you know, this is a murder house. Maybe there'll be some ghosts. We can make some money. And it didn't. So, like. Well, let's make them up. All right. <laughs> Another thing uh, and, I, oh, in the movie, one of the first really cool scenes is where the priest shows up to bless the house, and they're not ready for him, so he just goes in and tries to start. <laughs> the house did not like that. <laughs> yeah, just a wa- wandering priest walking around, blessing houses. <laughs> Got to lock your doors, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and they touch on it more in the book. Uh, I've read it, too, but I don't remember it as well as Pat does. Um, the, the deal with, uh, the fact that George was a non-practicing Methodist who converted to Catholicism because Kathy was a Catholic. I mean, she wasn't really hardcore about it, but she was a church attending Catholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So standard Catholic. Yeah. Yeah, not super serious about it, but had like a working relationship with the priest. And of course, in her family, you've got the, her aunt is a nun. Yeah, you know what I I want to say the theme on both these movies is too little too late. <laughs> you know you what? Why didn't the priest, you know, I'm in the house, flies attacked me, I vomited all over the driveway. What I know he tried to call, but like the the, the aunt while she's in there, doesn't anybody say this happened? I mean like this happened the second I walked into your house. I mean, well, I mean everybody is independently this is happening to them. It's not happening all at the same time. So they don't know that they're all experiencing the same thing. And the nun, she just thought she just got sick. You know, she, it was just a one time whatever. She's like, oh, I can't believe this happened. I got sick, you know. But the priest, there was no excuse for neither one of them to finally just kind of meet face to face and go, all right, let's let, fuck the phones. Let's just talk. Yeah, <laughs> well, right. I mean, they tried that. The house consistently interfered to the point where when he's like, all right, we, we need to go there. Yeah, the car went all wanky on him. Yeah, yeah, like the hand that he used to uh, call, uh, like the hand that he had the receiver of the phone in that was all blistered, of its own volition, reached out and grabbed the, the steering wheel and tried to kill them. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so they move into the house, and things start getting a little weird. Old Brolin is uh, feeling kind of strange about the house. You don't really know. I mean, there isn't anything outside of the the priest with the flies. 
there isn't anything like specifically supernatural happening to them outside of just well, weird feelings. James Brolin really takes to chopping wood. Well, don't forget about Jody. Yeah, but I mean, you can chalk that up to a little kid talking to an imaginary friend. Yeah, you have kids, like Joel. We discussed last week at Poltergeist. Sometimes kids are just weird. Yeah, I mean, the, the weirder to me was the fact that uh, George is in the house and everyone seems comfortable, but he's freezing all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they kept the busted lamp. Did you notice that? That was in the uh, the kids' room, the girls' room. And they showed the, when they were doing the tour of the house, and they show the, the, when he shoots the little girl and she smacks the lamp off the, uh, the side table. Yeah. yeah. I found that, I don't know why, I just found that strange. They, they kept that? Yeah, the lamp that's next to her that. bed I, is I, all cracked I, up and patched up. Huh. I missed that. Yeah, that's I, interesting. I didn't, I didn't catch that. That's a good, good eye. Yeah, so. That's why Jody was pissed. She's like, I broke the lamp. And speaking of decor in this house, for a brief moment there, I was like, there are a lot of mirrors in that bedroom, man. Why the <laughs> hell would you have that many? Oh, that's why you have that many mirrors. Very oh. I like the 70s. I want, I'm going to start putting up uh, crackled yes, mirrors all yes, over the house. crackled mirrors were very popular in the 70s. My parents had them in their bedroom. Yeah. I also found it really effective how, as they're touring the house, they just show... Uh, Ronnie DeFeo, you don't even know who he is, just this figure with the gun going from room to room, just brutally slaying his family. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it, that was that was a really good method of explaining the story without having to, like Explain nowadays. yeah, Without yeah. filming a separate opening scene that did it all for you. Yeah, tells you the story immediately. Oh, this is what happened, and this is what happened. You can, you know. Spoon feeding it. Exactly, exactly. Spoilers. I was going to say that yeah. the second half of the show is going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about the murder house. <laughs> so, Margaret O'Kidder, what's with the one legging? Is that a thing? Yeah, I didn't know what that was either. I think she was trying to get dressed and just kind of stopped or something. I well, don't know. she got stopped in midway and was like, all yeah, right, let's do this. Who the hell gets dressed like that? I'm going to put on a, sh- a little shrug jacket, put on a pair of panties, one legging, and then stop. I mean, she was doing ballet. Yeah, he looks- Kathy Lutz. Yeah, you, you've heard about Margot Kidder, right? She's a little... Um, right. Well, she hadn't totally gone off the deep end until after Superman. She's a couple tacos short of a combination platter. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, we'll talk to, put that into the Margot Kidder box. <laughs> Moving so, forward. And uh, I will say the one point where I jumped out of my chair on this one, that motherfucking cat... <laughs> After he went out to the boat, the boathouse, you know, yep. he sits down, <laughs> and then they never speak of it again. You know, yeah, that was the that was the biggest cheap scare in the whole movie. I That's don't know. true. The the thing that got me when I saw it way back when, when I used to think it was like super duper scary, I used to put it up there with the the Exorcist earlier on in my horror film going career. Um, was the scene where she's talking about Jody and how Jody flew out the window, and then they look and there's these two eyes in the window. Well, you think they're eyes, two little lights in the window, and they're moving around. Yeah, that freaked me out. And this time around, I was like, "Is Rom the space knight out there?" What's <laughs> that effect did not that hold. Up. Definitely effect that did not hold up. That yeah. Is- well, and then again, think about. Well, the pig in the window, but <laughs> the well, stuck footage. Oh no. Well. <laughs> Also, think about the difference in the... Why is someone projecting a pig into the bedroom? (laughs) The presentation from then to now. Now we have HD. 
You know, right. the, the eyes in the window probably looked a lot better when you've, you know. Oh, they definitely looked better back then, yeah. yeah. It was definitely much creepier back then. Because, like Joel said, that was probably the best scene in the movie as far as just for a good, legitimate scare. Right. Yeah, and when you're like 13, 12, 13 years old and you're watching it and you're home alone at night and you're like, whoa, what the heck? And the, and the whole, when this was popular, you know, I was uh, – actually, no, not while it was popular. but You were a longshoreman. You were what, 32? Shut up. <laughs> while I was in high school, which when I got into this book and this movie and everything, and I was a very religious kid in high school, so – all the religious aspects of all this really, you know, made it even scarier for me. Mm. Well, and the church with those angels or whatever at the top, like from the moment I saw them, every before they start like cracking to pieces while the priest is praying for the Lutzes, they're just creepy just being up there. Well, and you got to think That's this a is a church for you, though. This is a pretty powerful entity because they took out the priest while he was at church. That is well, that was kind of embellished for the movie. Yeah how how far out does the power of the house reach? That's my question. Um, it followed according to the book. It followed them until they crossed the river because uh, spirits can't cross rivers. Ah. So it can go into a house of God, wreak havoc, but it can't go across the river. Note to self. Yeah, I, I mean, I they're guess like, they're like the aliens and signs. Yeah, I guess the uh, point here was that the evil had been allowed to fester there since even well before the DeFeo murders. And it had just gotten so powerful and so out of control. Which we'll get to a little bit more about that in the second half. Right. So one thing, fucking LeChoy canned uh, chop suey. Apparently oh they survived God. on that. <laughs> it was all over the place in the kitchen. I don't know that why I'm my- noticing these things. It was, was all over the place in the seventies and eighties, though. Yeah. yeah, I remember eating that. St- I grew up on that stuff. Oh, yeah. That's why. That's why when I take my dad to a Chinese restaurant, he orders. Uh, he says, "I want." What does he say? Uh, oh, damn it! Come back to me. <laughs> all right. I was just saying. It's that great rem- story, Hansel. Yeah. Remember that the the can you peel off that little plastic strip and you've got the water chestnuts on top and the chop suey in the bottom, so the water chestnuts don't get all weird. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. says, "I want chop suey chow mein." <laughs> And they, they look at him sideways like, what? <laughs> and my mom has to order for him. <laughs> he's, he's a grown man we're talking about, right? Yeah, he's in his 80s. But when he was, <laughs> when he was in, his, in his prime, you know, he was eating uh, chop suey out of a can or whatever. Yeah. The other, so. th- oh, the other thing I noticed is I was paying attention to the moving boxes. And <laughs> I don't know why I'm watching a different what movie. Apparently, incredible attention to detail for the first time you've ever seen this movie. I right. have no idea. Okay, first like off, Rain Man level of watching this movie. <laughs> apparently, because I'm like, okay, seventy two boxes, boxes, seventy two boxes total. Seventy two. <laughs> so one box was marked Altec Lansing Nine Series for speakers. I was trying to figure out, like, oh, what the hell is that? Okay, those go. The, those I found those on um, what the hell is that? Uh, I almost said YouTube, eBay for $300 a piece. Holy crap. Now. And the other thing I noticed is that they're, where did I write this down? Every other, it seems like every other box was Corbell. The lick- yeah. There was a lot of booze, although booze boxes are good moving boxes. Yeah, oh, they don't they, necessarily have to be filled with, with Corbell. Though. Oh, I was saying they can't afford a nice house and they can afford that stuff? Well, Corbell isn't that expensive. I was going to say, I looked up about how much a bottle of Corbell cost back then. It was like maybe three, four bucks. Well, in the mass quantities, though. Yeah, nowadays you can get it for 12 
So that explains Margot Kidder. Like Josh said, liquor boxes are great to use for moving because they usually have reinforced compartments. And built-in handles frequently. Mm -hmm. You know what else is a great box? Egg boxes. You know what else is a great box? Your mom. I'm telling her you said that. (laughs) Oh, crap. (laughs) My Aunt Pat was never heard from that. I'll just tell her in the video I'm going to make. Yeah. (laughs) We find his carcass hanging out. I love your box. That's great. That's great. (laughs) Happy birthday, Ma. I love your box. (laughs) So, I mean, there was a lot of really interesting uh, stuff that you could say this movie was somewhat derivative of other haunted house or demonic possession movies, but it blazed trails in its own way. You've had, I had the bit with the rolled up carpet and the uh, creepy, uh, like food dog statue that, uh, reached out and kind of bit George. Mm-hmm. And the paint by numbers, Mary. Yeah. Got that going on. But keep in mind the time this was made. I mean, there were haunted house movies prior to this, but this was hot on the tails of the exorcist and was still kind of, leading the way for what came after. Well, yeah, and I I think even if you are going to compare it, uh, not saying it's derivative, some things were derivative from this, obviously because of how old it is, but it has a a lot of stuff that's still fresh. Uh, The red room in the basement still creeps me out. Yeah. That is kind of... The the main thing about it was just everybody's reaction to it. You know, I mean, it was just... (laughs) I will say the chick who played the psychic, who is his uh, like uh, top employee's wife, she was not a great actress. Oh, you mean Art Garfunkel's girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> she was a little bit of a scenery chewer. Yeah. yeah, they really needed some tangina in there instead. <laughs> <laughs> Good for what ails you. Oh, uh, it's what the astronauts point. <laughs> Other thing I discovered, haunted houses cause erectile dysfunction. So badly that it even affects uh, Brolin. That's why he's chopping wood all the time, working out all that stress. I don't know where to go with that. I don't know either. So was the girlfriend? Was that what was the, her name? Because she looked, she was familiar to me. Was was she Carolyn or Jackie? I think it was Jackie. That could be right. Okay. See, and I liked her when she first showed up, and she's like, "I'm not going in there." But then later on, she's like, "I got to go in there," and I'm like. Uh, she was just hoping they were going to rub honey on her head, too. <laughs> oh, that's in the sequel. Kind of specific there. I also liked the slow, subtle reveal that George looked uh, strikingly like Ronnie DeFeo. Yeah, until the bartender. Yeah, you had other people kind of offhand mention. Are you related somehow to the people who had the house before? But as he started to get crazier and crazier looking, he started looking more and more like him. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then they straight up had that picture that, you know, oh, looked just micro, like him. The microfiche machine? Right. Yeah, but that bartender, you look just like that guy that slaughtered his family. Yeah. Like, this Are you guy coming is on to me? A diplomat. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I'll get you a weird, beer. <laughs> weird pickup line. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to insult you. I just called you a murderer. Here's a beer. <laughs> he was sitting right in that chair when they arrested him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other thing is when uh, Marco Kidder sits bolt upright in bed and screams bloody murder. She was shot in the head. Well, I, <laughs> Brolin handled that. I mean, he was just kind of like, what? <laughs> well, he's, he's just like, yeah, welcome to my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> like, now you know how it feels on my side. Oh. <laughs> hey, want to go chop some wood? <laughs> 
get out. So uh, Art Garfunkel and his girlfriend tell him to go out on a date. The uh, No, it wasn't a date. It was a wedding where they had braces come in. Yeah, the, her brother's wedding where they were using the house to prepare uh, to get the ceremony ready. And then the brother loses the cash he's got to pay to the uh, caterer. Still right. confuses me, that whole scene. What it, do you, if you watch carefully... Um, Right after George walks into the room, you see the jacket move a little bit. Well, and then they, the money ends up being under the couch or whatever, right? No, no, no just the band. band. Oh, so the band, that's right. Yeah, they never, never find the money. The, yeah. the, so they, according to the storyline, the money got thrown in the fire is what everybody thinks. Oh, I thought mm. the house was just hard up for cash. Well, so they all go to Epstein's <laughs> The house wedding. got rent to pay. <laughs> <laughs> I got bills. <laughs> I got five kids to feed. And that's the okay. other thing. They go to the they go to uh, the, the kid look like Epstein from uh, Welcome Back, Cotter to me. <laughs> uh, so they go to that and they meet the aunt. And the aunt again is just like, you know, hey, I went in your house, felt violently ill. I got out of your house and I felt fine. There's no red flags for any of this on these people. Well, she should have done it like three more times to find out if it was like that. You know, you need at least you gotta, need at least three. Gotta have a control. Yeah. Well, and you have some of it. I think the house is clouding their perception while they're there. And part of it is they also don't want to believe anything's wrong because, like, they put all of their savings, mortgaged themselves up to the eyeballs to get here, and they don't have a plan B. Right. What about that creepy-ass neighbor? The guy with the he beer? He wanted to drink some beers with her. Everybody wanted to welcome you to the neighborhood. I'm like, it's just you, dude. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. He He was kind of a... Just an odd little plot point that wasn't necessary. Yeah, I don't know. That that whole little 30-second scene could have been cut. It, yeah. uh, it was just another unsettling encounter with the house. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't even sure he was necessarily a real person. That's the part I wasn't sure about. I was like, was it intended to be the house playing some sort of a trick on her? Or was it really some guy that showed up and he's like, yeah, screw this. I'm going to go over to the house and poltergeist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have this. Oh, you know, I was like, guys probably was like, oh, she's on the phone. I'll drink the beers myself. And they went out to the boathouse and drowned. Oh. <laughs> One thing that they never really touched on um, that they talked about in the book um, was they, they, they kind of hinted at it a couple times, but they didn't really just say it too well. Like the, the whole uh, spirit in the kitchen was, was Kathy throughout the book always referred to her as the mother because that was the only place that she could go in the house and feel safe. Hmm. It felt like that, like that spirit. You know, what was in charge? What was actually a loving spirit that would would protect them. They also have a really. Uh, it was another time sort of relationship going on here, because as he becomes more unhinged, and uh, even before he uh, takes a crack at her and practically breaks her nose, like he's frequently yelling at her. Uh, a little harsh with the kids, the dog, like he's, he's menacing in a way. And she just wilts when he does all of this. Well, I mean, they, I think they did a fairly decent job of proving that that was not typical of him at the sure. beginning of the movie. You know, I mean, that was just his personality changing and she just kind of didn't know how to react. Right. And it was another time uh, where a lot of this is before the burning bed and all stories of uh, abused spouses uh, turning on the men who hit them. Like, and let's not discount the fact that you know in the seventies, a woman with three kids. You know, if you're a guy taking that on, you're seen as you know the hero because she's seen as you know almost like un unworthy. You know, 
Sure. Back so the, I'm back sure. In the 70s, you know. Yeah, I'm sure all of that kind of and while it's a little uncomfortable to watch, it rings true for the time. Yeah, I agree with that. Hmm. Just like a Rocky. Middle of the night. Well, damn, the door came off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was that? With the the there, somebody broke into my house. They broke in from the basement and then busted out the door instead of just opening oh. it. <laughs> The refrigerator Perry broke into my basement. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the only, like, look at how the door came completely off the frame. The frame came completely off the house. Well, and that's a pretty good motivation to have the cop kind of following everyone associated with the house around. It's like something's not right here. And he knows the story of the DeFeos. So, I mean, I think he, he wants to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Right. So, and that was kind of cool that he, you know, he did the stakeout on the side of the house. And when they're running around with the cross, and he's, you know, he sees all the lights going on, he's like, "The hell is wrong with these people?" <laughs> like, well, they, you know, you, it's the murder house, dude. You've been there. You remember? Yeah. The other Get thing out. is, does nobody? Okay, three fifteen every night. This happens. Right. And nobody ever mentions this at all. I think that uh, the only person who knows it's 3.15 is George, and even he doesn't ascribe any significance to it. Well, the cop might have realized, because well, when, when they – didn't they have them show up at the house talking about they found the bodies and they're like, they've been dead for whatever? I don't know. Or am I thinking of the second one? I'm just saying, I get up in the middle of the night to pee, and I notice it's 12 o'clock two nights in a row, and I'm like, okay, cool, that's, you know, hey, same time as last night consistency but then again yeah. apparently i'm turning into rain man so that's <laughs> yeah well and your house isn't trying to make you crazy that's well no i have other people trying to do that but right. <laughs> it's not the house it's the occupants yes there's an entirely different dynamic going on with that that's another movie but i will say uh when they were walking around with the cross you hear the voices she's got sores suddenly all over her face and body that right there gone yeah, that might be the time to leave. <laughs> like when when your house actively tries to tries to stop you from blessing it. Okay, yeah, we're, we're just gonna call it quits. Yeah, I'm out. Uh, and you do end up working your way. Like they keep cutting to which day it is, and you get to the end of the month. And while in the book uh, it was actually near Christmas Day, it looked like it was late fall in the movie. You get to the end, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, George is just seeing things. He's uh, got the axe. He's uh, going to kill the kids. He sees Kathy as a 90-year-old woman. Uh, he sees a spirit at the top of the stairs when they're running out the door. Yeah, he's just confused. He doesn't know the difference between like destroying the family and protecting the family anymore. Yeah. And th they finally run, and he comes back to his senses... And I love my dog. <laughs> we love your dog, too. We don't even know it. But uh, uh, not going back into the house for the dog. Yeah, because then Pa falls into the blood well. That's... And then the dog attacks him, thinking that something is crawling out of the blood well from the depths of hell. To be fair, That's the dog is the only reasonable... <laughs> Well, I think the dog was just doing that because he was surrounded by this evil goo, and so it was confused about what was going on. And then when it realized, it's like, okay, i got to help you now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, yeah. Like I said, that's a good dog. That's why he went back for it. Which yeah. The whole scene, though, when he stops the truck and he starts running back to the house, and you're like, oh, man, I love my dogs, but 
Yeah. You mean when, when Margot Kidder really badly yelled out, Yeah! Right. Worse than Luke. Right. And she's like, Where's, get my other stocking. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets to the house and the dog's like, Red Road. <laughs> Don't forget my meds. <laughs> I think I left the iron on. <laughs> so they hop in the car and they drive off into the sunset. Or leave yeah, into the rain. I mean, the house is bleeding. It's yeah. I'm yeah. grateful they all saw the blood, and apparently were affected by it because the kids were just, like stumbling down the the stairs. Yeah, slipping in blood down the stairs. How fucked up is that? If I had a dollar, D- did the house want them there? Did it not want them there? I mean, it's pretty clear that what the house really wanted is for him to reenact the murders again. Yeah, no, I, I think mean, the house was just bipolar. The house just wants chaos and murder. The house is just bipolar. It's like, get out. No, stay. Get out. No, stay. Get out. I love you. No. I hate you. I'm going to kill you. Don't go. <laughs> that's that's pretty much the way I read it. So the house was Margot Kidder. <laughs> oh. And scene. Clever. <laughs> so once again, we're back to something that is very similar to being John Malkovich. Margot Kidder is living within herself. Ooh, well, there's room inside, I guess. The whole thing, the uh, Amityville Horror, all takes place in Margot Kidder's brain. Ah, St. Elsewhere. Nice, nice. All right, so do we have anything else to say about the original? Yeah. Uh, let me check my notes here. I love the classic 70s Foley work. The lightning lightning strikes were awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the, yeah, the, the lightning and thunder in the very beginning was really bad. That's what I said. Classic 70s Foley work. Yeah, it was really, like, exceptionally bad. Like, it was like Haunted House in a grade school bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> Seeing the fat kid on the corner going, eh, <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> you didn't go to the Haunted House I worked like, at. Fat kid on the corner? <laughs> that was me. How much of a dick was Father Bolin throwing Father Delaney under the bus about the whole car thing? He's like, well, you know, the steering wheel locked up. Like, <laughs> like, dude, you know a lot more than that happened. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, the priests in this movie were just complete and utter dicks to each other. They really were, yeah. And you think after they call the, you know, after he goes blind, you think he'd call the other peers and, priests and say, hey, you know what? I'm just saying this might be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Spontaneously went blind while doing a prayer. I think we should probably look into this. So... Yeah, and, and, like, everything around him crumbled to bits. Well, no, it didn't. Because remember, after he went blind, he showed the uh, statue again and was totally whole. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. Screwing with his head. All right, so uh, when we come back, we are going to talk about a movie that has the same title as this one. <laughs> I think <laughs> there's spoilers reason. there. Yeah. There are three kids and two parents and a house. Yeah, that's about it. Done with Done with the similarities. All right, we'll be back in a little bit. Whatever happened to predictability? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) By Noel. It's the passage to hell. So we are back, and uh, now we're going to talk about Amityville Horror 2005, which is 
theoretically the same story with uh, this time around. Uh, it's directed by Andrew Douglas, known for... It's the same title. The same, yeah, it's the same title. Uh, Andrew Douglas, known for such classics as You Want Me to Kill Him. That's spelled with a U and in the number two. And something called Searching for the Wrong-Eyed Jesus. Oh, that's a classic. Yeah, totally. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I got nothing for, for the director on this one. Uh Screenplay, Scott Kozar, Jay Anson, Sander Stern, and, of course, the material by George and Kathy Lutz. Uh, Scott Kozar is known for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Crazies, and The Machinist. Great movie. Machinist? It's on my list. I want to see it. It's the dark. Christian Bale movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I haven't I mean, seen it either. I've heard all the stories about what he did, like all the weight that he lost for that, so. It's dark, but it's good. Yeah, so this, I own it. No. So in this one, George Lutz is played by Ryan Reynolds. Melissa George plays Kathy. Billy is Jesse James. Jimmy Bennett plays Michael Lutz. And a newly found star, Chloe Grace Moritz, is Chelsea. Yeah, I did not her recognize her at all until the credits rolled. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, wow. I recognized her immediately. Yeah, second I saw her. And honestly... I could have, but I just wasn't looking for it. Yeah, she, she probably was the best... Uh, Best thing about this movie. Um, <laughs> Don't diss on Ryan. So, Rachel Nichols as Lisa, Philip Baker Hall as Father Calloway, Isabel Connor as Jody, and uh, Brendan Donaldson as Ronald. Uh, so, yeah, so um, some trivia about this one. Just before shooting started, the body of a fisherman who had been murdered washed up on the bank of the river right near the main house. Should have been the first sign. Ryan Reynolds chose not to become close with his movie children. He was not mean or rude to them, just very distant. So distant, in fact, that the children often confided to those on the set that Ryan doesn't like us. Ryan said that he did not want to fall in love with the kids. Ryan did this so did that, so when uh, George Lutz's character started changing, he would have no trouble easing into the verbal and physical abuse. Which he gets pretty verbal and physically abusive. Indeed. Yeah, he does get a little wacky with them. I won't lie. That's the strangest... Uh, wood chopping I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that was a pretty intense scene. That was. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz did most of her own stunts, despite being only eight years old, which made me feel like a dirty old man. <laughs> uh, her parents are bad parents, apparently. They are? For letting her do them. Oh, okay. I'm like, there's something I don't know about that. Uh, Melissa George stated in an interview that she had supernatural things happen to her on set during filming. She was truly living the horror, and what you see on film was actual fear in her role. Yeah, and she, you know, that's not exactly shocking, because she still believes that the original story was true. So she probably... Get out. Does she still believe this was a competently made movie? <laughs> Here we go! Any questions? This would have been a standard horror fair if it had just been released under another movie. Called, no. Called no. This House is Haunted. No. No, it would have been painfully derivative. And, well, that's what uh, I mean, standard yeah. horror fair. I don't, I don't mean good horror. I just mean it would have been like something that was released into the theaters. It's like we've we've got a classic horror film, but instead of using anything from the classic horror film, let's rip off badly a bunch of other different horror films. Yeah, like this was like a combination of uh, Stir of Echoes and Thirteen Ghosts and the Boogeyman. Um, I Never have to. 
I have to say, and I'm, I, you guys know, and I've made this no secret on any of the other shows I've done that I, I like remakes. I have no problem with remakes. They have their place in cinema and I enjoy a lot of them as more than sometimes even the original. This is one of two remakes that never needed to be made and is unnecessary. The, the only one that's worse of a worse offender than this Ooh, is. Wait, wait, is, wait. Let's guess. I'm going to go with, um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, no, Gus Van Zandt, Psycho. Yeah, that was the most unnecessary remake in the history. Yeah. At oh. least in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, even though it's terrible, you get Jane, J- Jackie Earl Haley doing some pretty sinister stuff. And there were interesting choices made in them. They didn't always work. The, one of the problems with this is every time they deviated, they made it worse and less interesting. Yep. They're like, okay, let's... Uh, develop the kids. Uh, okay, that's that's an interesting way to go since the kids didn't have much characterization, and then they make them the most stock two dimensional nothings. Uh, deciding to take Jody from being this weird pig like demon that the little girl talked to, and making her a standard uh, uh, carbon copy of Samara in the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in, in like in the original movie and the original book, Jody was specifically a demon, and she was like Jody was something that belonged to the house, whereas Jody DeFeo would have only been there for a year, right? Uh, and just like they have the very two uh, thousands conceit of let's explain every little thing, and they just co- totally cocked it up. Like, I, I had a little bit of hope seeing at the beginning the creepy, like, uh, we'll be right back Indian head on the TV. And then, like, f- 30 seconds into the movie, I was just like, what the fuck are they doing? It didn't take me, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't turned off that quickly. You know, the intro scene was basically a very much like a 2000s movie, you know, over, you know, over show everything instead of, like, actually tell a story. So I wasn't thrown off by that, you know, and then they, you know, they come in and they check the house out and everything and, and then, you know, looking through the house and stuff. I, I didn't even have a problem with all that. It was, I think the first time I had a real problem with it was when they did one of the flash takes to a ghost that was hidden just out of sight kind of thing, like somebody walking by and the ghost just briefly appears for a second. Because you know, it was like they didn't bother doing any of the mood setting build up. It was just automatically was like, this house has spirits in it, and it's something's wrong with it. Like right off the bat, like they had only been living in there for like one day when they were, you know, throwing things at him. That most people would be like, okay, I'm out of here, or not. No, I'm, 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 I'm. The- <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Is that they did kind of did kind of go zero to sixty way on- too fast. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, if, if giving in the, in the range of date for when I would leave the house from the original to now in the 2005, I think I wouldn't have made it a week in the 2005. But, you know, like the, the old one, I'd be like, eh, you know, it's, it's weird, but I'm still sticking around. Maybe it's just a new house thing. There was a lot of stuff like, hey, something's wrong with the blood faucets. Uh, <laughs> you know, the <laughs> day five, the, le- the letters on the refrigerator are rearranging themselves. Catch them and kill them. Yeah, uh, you know, and then you have the ceiling hands, which <laughs> I think that's made by uh, Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, they were just doing all the standard horror trope from the two thousands on these little, like you know, creepy, like 
things are happening just outside of the main character's point of view, but we can see them happening because it's like the sixth sense, but it's not, you know, it just, they, they didn't bother making their own movie. They just stole like little things from all kinds of horror movies all over. Hmm. One of the things that like the strange things, like the noises in the house that you would hear, like that popping noise was actually the uh, son going through puberty when he saw the babysitter. <laughs> what the hell was up with the babysitter? Yeah, that would. Uh, she she is definitely right. She's very self aware. She's a horrible babysitter. I mean, well, you're babysitting a kid, and you ask the kid, "Do you French?" I'm like, "Where is this going?" Yeah, uh, that's another case of them just taking a character and just making it a ridiculous caricature. Like, okay, so the headgear babysitter wasn't awesome in the first one. Why, if you're going to make these changes, do you just make it the shitty shock horror archetype? She's, yeah, she's got to be the emo, gothy, slutty rebel girl who's, who's you know, smoking a bubbler in the bathroom because everybody knows you get high before you show up to work, not while you're at work, dummy. Yeah, yeah. dummy. Get out. So, and then and then they she goes in the closet on a dare from the kids, gets locked in there, and then ghost uh, ghost girl makes her stick her finger in her head. Yeah, and and then they do the gunshot. What 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 was happening? That whole scene was just not exactly. That was not Amityville horror. That was that was just a, like I said, standard horror trope. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a scary. It was a, not even scary, but it was it was horror movie one hundred and one. I think your thirteen ghost reference is pretty accurate. Yeah, well, it also kind of reminded me of like Devil's Backbone a little bit. Okay, but it, it's like they took all of these things from all these other movies and jam them into this one without understanding why they were great in their own movies. It's and very much like the, first, the, the, the either the director or the, or the writer of the screenplay didn't understand the source material. Yeah, and like last week, I said a lot of bad things about the Poltergeist remake, and all of those apply even more so, but at least the Poltergeist remake had some well-crafted scares even if it didn't have much of a script to work in. This had all of the problems and none of the benefits of the Poltergeist remake, and I hated that one. I mean, this had a lot of shirtless Ryan Reynolds, so... Five separate times? Like I said, continuity. (laughs) Well, you know, and that's got that going for it. And you got sexy Melissa George, so that's going for it. Very good-looking woman, that's that's for sure. I was glad to be introduced to her through this movie. It also kind of felt to me like they weren't doing the 70s. They just briefly had them cosplay as 70s characters. Yeah, the yeah, 70s. They definitely didn't go for the period. They just set it in the 70s because they needed to. Yeah, a lot of stuff felt like they were checking boxes. Like, they almost completely removed the religious aspect until, like, uh, halfway through the movie, they jammed the priest in there. Just because, oh shit, we gotta we gotta get the priest in here somehow. Yeah. And even the dog had a, a had a reduced role. Yeah, it was yeah. just a nothing dog, and that, that suddenly got killed, and then okay, done with the dog. And the flies scene—they're <laughs> like, let's check the box of doing the scene with all the flies. But despite all the CGI, it was so much less effective. Well, I think a lot of it was like the situation with me. You're you're a priest. You're blessing the house. You hear this noise. Let's climb up on a table and look at the hole in the wall. That just to me seemed a little bit off for that character. I mean, it's I'm going to look in this. I'm going to look in this because that's what the script asks me to. You know what I mean? 
I yeah, I just got angrier and angrier as this movie got on because I was like this just missed every single thing. The other thing was after the after the baby I'm sorry, but the babysitter they lock her in the closet. Amara or whatever her name is makes her stick her finger in her head, blood all over the place, this sort of thing. And then Ryan Reynolds is like, "This is not you know, what kind of prank is this?" I'm like, "You think your kids pulled a prank that made a, a girl go insane?" You th- that again is another one of those moments where it's like, you, this is something strange. The kids say they couldn't open the door. She went, it wasn't like she was crying and upset that she was locked in the closet. They put her in her friggin' straitjacket. But do you really think that Katie isn't capable of driving a babysitter? No, I'm not totally not saying that. <laughs> I'm saying if anybody. I bet you could cock something. Yeah, I, I, that's why the only person that babysits. Katie, the only people that watch her is my parents because they went through me and they can handle it. Um, <laughs> it's so I have to ask. So for the two people that read the book, the whole thing in the basement with the sacrificial table and the yada 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 is that closer to the book or is that just? Dude, complete? that was all Hollywood bullshit. Yeah, the the decision to <clears throat> like make this Reverend Ketchum creepy. Uh, like Puritan preacher guy. It's like you really need to put a face on this. It's just another thing. God, that, this that movie was one of the sucked. things that made, that made the first movie good. Was you didn't have a face, but suddenly they have to go with like some kind of phantasm guy, and like all these little cells underneath with people that he did torture and and experiments on and stuff. And it just it was just unnecessary and just. Not even, not even related to the original source material. Well, I think it goes back to the having everything spoon fed. You can't just say that the house is haunted. The, I mean, nineteen seventy nine. This is a haunted house. Bang, done. They'll figure it out. This one you have to have. It can't just be a haunted house. What kind of ghost is it? Where did it come from? You have to, and they, and it's not just a. Even, even like with the old poltergeist, you know, you slowly discover that the bear, the bodies were left behind and they only moved the headstones. In this one, I don't know why they felt that they had to write a whole backstory for it, except so that they didn't have any questions, maybe? Well, I mean, in, in the original poltergeist, they, they figured all that other stuff out over the course of 33 other movies or whatever. But yeah, here they just jammed it all into one. And, and that, that scene with Jody uh, on the ceiling with the hands holding her. Come on. That was ridiculous. But the biggest offense in this film was the end. Well, let's not quite jump to the end, because I'm not through with tearing apart the middle yet. Go right ahead. (laughs) Because we we called out uh, the interesting and period-appropriate choice of the uh, way they handled the relationship between George and Kathy. And it was a little cringy to watch, but in this one, they decided, well, let's overcorrect. Let's pull this out of the 70s and give Kathy Lutz uh, 2015 stock uh, horror movie, action movie heroine personality and have her constantly like fighting back against George. And at the end, she knocks him out. And it, it was so it was pandering in a way that was almost more sexist than the original. Hmm. Uh, I just found her character was all over the place and uh, trying to if you're going to make the woman of the house a hero, do it. Don't just cut and paste from other movies that don't handle strong female characters well and just jam it in there. It's insulting. Well, that's, I mean, that is, 
the theme of the movie. You know, it's we're take we're cutting and pasting stuff from other movies that worked for them and putting it all together in one big pile. Um, I don't know. I I don't know about the the heroine part of her being more heroic. I just think because they I think they made her a little bit more heroic in this because the kids were a little bit more present. Do you know what I mean? I mean, granted, they were two-dimensional children, but the children had more of a part in this one than they did in the first one, so they kind of needed the mom to come in and rescue them more more often. Well, And that was the thing, is they hadn't earned that through her characterization, their characterization, their respective roles in the story. I am all for a good story about a mother defending her children. There is nothing approaching a good story or good characters in this. Aside from the fact that I didn't pay to watch it because it was on Netflix, I can find almost nothing redeemable about this movie. It's, I mean, um, the special effects were good. They just were unnecessary. Yeah. It made me even dislike Ryan Reynolds. No. Chloe yeah, that's, that's tough to do because he's very charismatic. Chloe Grace Moretz is one of my favorite act- young actresses. And knowing that this movie launched her career makes me question whether it was all fucking worth it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a bold statement. Oh, dude, would, I hated this. kick ass, so it was definitely worth it. This may be the worst film I have seen for 40 going on 14, and yes, I'm including the Mockbusters. Oh, wow. That's that's heavy words right there. Holy crap, Josh, that's a bold statement. <laughs> I'm looking to see... Pat, you're supposed to laugh there. I was. I was muted. Mm. Damn it. Sorry. Looking at the credits, looking to see if there's anything in here that might signify why this was so terrible are we can i talk about the end yet yeah yeah let's 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 hit that okay short rant over so instead of the the car everybody hopping in the van going back to get the dog all that fun stuff they hop in the boat and they drive away and you're like okay movie's over happy ending cut to the interior of the house in front of the stairs jody's standing there with her little self Looking at the camera, kind of thinking, you know, she's going to be sad that they're gone or happy that they're gone or whatever. And then all of a sudden, hands pull up from the floor and poof, she gets dragged down into the floor. End of movie. By something that's... The the doll that she was buried with. Right. Why? Why was this necessary? Why did we have to see this? What point does this have other than to reinforce Josh's entire rant on this film that you're trying to... I don't even know. It just it it. I mean, I think they're trying yeah. to say that even she's a prisoner in the house. But I mean, that wasn't the point of Jody in the first place. Jody was supposed to be pretty much the the secondary demon in the entire house. The main demon was never even. I mean, was the house itself basically? Yeah, the main right. demon was was like the overriding presence of the house itself. Yeah. Now, see, that would have been. Okay, that would have been a better story. Here you have a house that's haunted by two ghosts, or the demon and the ghost of the little girl that was killed by the son who was driven mad by the demon that killed the family. Though just the girls left, and there is this like battle. She, yeah. Like she's trying to get the you know she's actually the the ghost trying to drive them out, and the other the demon is the one trying to keep them in. There you go. There's that's a, a story. Story right there. Right. And- not to mention, why is Jody haunting the house, but none of the other siblings or parents are? Yeah, where's the the rest of the family? Nobody else stuck around? They're vacationing upstate. Oh, okay. 
Well, in a better movie. Here we go. Josh, you'll like this. Uh, the real we George Lutz denounced the film as drivel and was suing the filmmakers at the time of his death in 2006. And I think I found out why this sucks so much. I found the key, the, the linchpin in the entire thing. Directed by Andrew Douglas, produced right. by Michael Bay. We noticed that. Uh, I, I'd forgotten to say, uh, yeah, Sarah and I watched this together and we noticed the Michael Bay credit at the end. Yeah. Just saying there may have been something about it with that. And he showed up and immediately demanded that all plot be taken out of the script. (laughs) I want want effects-driven horror. Now, know what what blows my mind about that, though, is that Michael Bay, if you've ever... Okay, I'm going to kind of defend him a little bit, but after seeing him interviewed for Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003... He really loves horror. He really does. Like he generally wants to make good, scary movies. And his concept behind the trailer and his desire to remake that film was genuine and legitimate. I mean, he legitimately made a very, very scary trailer. But when he then kind of relinquishes that control to other people and just puts his, I'm going to produce it and make whatever money and they can do what they want. That's when it, it could fall short. And this is like twice removed from all of that. I, so I, yeah. You know, I don't know when you make a copy of a copy. Right. I don't, I don't know how much control he has over it, but he, he, the, the, the intentions are there. The good intentions are there, but yeah, that, that's terrible. Yeah. No, if you love horror movies and you have something to do with this film, you fucking burn it before it goes to theaters. Yeah. I, now you, I, I'm a little bit disappointed in him for that. Yeah, I'm I mean, a lot disappointed. Joel, you were talking about remakes. I honestly believe that a lot of people who just like to shit on remakes, if this was the first remake that they saw, they might have a point. <laughs> yeah, but not every remake is is going to be a, a you know a number one. I mean, just look at like uh, I don't know, disturbs the sound of silence. I mean, there's a crappy remake of something. Boo, Same type of I thing. Like it? I don't. It's a terrible song. Yeah, it's terrible. I actually agree with Joel. Wait, what anyway. film? I just missed that. No, just oh, using songs because I always use songs as a way of kind of reinforcing the fact that remakes are no different than music in terms of people taking good source material and wanting to redo it their own way. Sometimes you have good results. Sometimes you have bad results. And I was just using that disturbed song as an example. Just I know a lot of people like it. The sound of silence. And I think it's terrible. It is. Uh, this movie is far, far worse. Yeah, I, and that's the thing is, I normally don't automatically assume a remake's going to be bad. We've been doing this for years, and I'm not that guy. I, I wanted to like this. It had two actors who, before this, I really liked. <laughs> uh, <sighs> yeah, I, I definitely wanted my two hours back. Yeah. Look, trying to see. I want to two hours back. No, well, he had to stop periodically to cleanse his palate. And scream at the TV. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Chewie. He's like, what did I get into? I mean, this, this oh, movie. not looking. Eat the pizza. What? This movie did not need to be called Am- the Amityville Horror. It just could have been called This House is Haunted. Yeah. And it would have been, like I said, just another run-of-the-mill crappy horror movie that was churned out and made a couple million dollars. But they knew if they threw the name on it, it would make more money. So let's do it. 
Scary Ghost Girl 2. Well, and I mean, there are movies where the plot is sort of thin and the performances can carry them. Like, you want to see a, a film with Chloe Grace Moretz where the script is a little light, but it she makes it work? I'd recommend checking out Final Girls. Nice. You mean, you mean Final Girl? The Final Girl, yeah. And that I was Abigail Breslin. Oh, it was Abigail Breslin. You're right. Not <laughs> Chloe Grace Moretz. Double Kick-ass correction. Is still my favorite Chloe movie. What is? Kick-Ass. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, she's fantastic. And she even, I mean, even even Let Me In, the remake of Let the Right One In, is a good remake. And she's good in that. Oh, hey, I've, let me uh, add one thing about uh, my connection to the movie. Uh, the outdoor scene where they're driving back from the doctor, I, may, I noticed that they pass up the Las Vegas restaurant. And this movie was actually shot in Antioch, Illinois, and in the Chicago, surrounding Chicagoland area. I've eaten at the Las Vegas dozens of times because we used to have a cabin up there in Antioch. So, hmm. and it still it still looks that way now. It's got that goofy, you know, 1970s. The food? Uh, food is fantastic. Do they have Clams Casino? I don't recall, but I do know that they're you know they have this some good specials. And it's would your, you say it's better than or worse than Leona's? The pizza place? Leona's, the Italian food place it's in Chicago. Yeah, I would say the pizza at Leona's is better, but the plated stuff is better at Las Vegas. But you don't get a mozzarella cheese log. <laughs> log, like a literal <laughs> log. Everyone loves the log, except for your doctor who says you're going to die from logs. Okay, I used to think this movie was the worst thing ever, but that song fucking sucked. <laughs> no, that song was still better than this movie. <laughs> it's better than Sound of Silence. All right, so are we wrapping up on this? Yeah, I think we can all say, I mean, thumbs up for 1979. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't aged perfectly, and I, I, if someone wanted to criticize it, I wouldn't disagree, but I enjoyed it. Even though it's not quite as scary as it used to be to me, it's still... A good classic horror movie, and it holds a fond place in my heart. So I, it definitely gets a thumbs up for me. Uh, Pat has the what? The three quarters thumbs up. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna give it the three quarters thumbs down. I I remember it being so much better when I first saw it, and when I saw it this time, I just I, I didn't get the appeal. I mean, it it had its moments where I was like, eh, that's all right, but overall, it didn't didn't do it for me. I don't know. I give it a thumbs up because I walked into it expecting 1970s haunted house movie, and that's what I got. Two hours of 70s pacing and a uh, shirtless Berlin. <laughs> Bearded shirtless and a Berlin. Heidi Whitey junk hanging. <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> you better Berlin. tape that up, dude. We're going to have, we're going to traipse over our rating in just a second here. <laughs> The ghosts are going to start wanting tea bags from you, buddy. You better pack that shit away. <laughs> wasn't it? It wasn't R. No, I think no, this was, was PG. Yeah, this is like G for seventies. I don't think so. I'm not a hundred percent, but I think it was PG. Amityville Horror rated R. Really? Wow. Yep. Well, huh. they never showed any boobies. I mean, they did too. No, it was side boob. There was no nipple. Margot Kidder was there. There was, was no nipple. No, I have to go with Pat on this. There, the, uh, there was no nipple. No, no nipple, was, no like, boob. Like three quarters nipple. inner. Was no nipple. It was extreme cleavage. Yeah. yeah. I will prove you wrong in just a moment. But moving on. So, I am not going to be around next week. Wait, no, what about the... Uh, the what? The now? The now. I think it's pretty clear we're all thumbs down on the now. Yeah. Okay, I just 
for the sake of... <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to step out of line, but I, 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 I think... It, <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought our discussion pretty much proved that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We should make it formal, that's all. Some that's the best us. thing we could say about it was um, we like some of the actors in it. <laughs> yeah. It was not made by Uwe Boll. That's about <laughs> the best thing I could oh, say. Did and, you, the, and the special effects were cool if they had been in another movie. Yeah, and did you see uh, Uwe Boll uh, has now re- officially retired from movie making this week? I did see that. Again. Yes. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, they were trying to petition to get him to do it. He, uh, I was watching a movie actually, uh, the other day and he produced it and I didn't realize it till the end. It was actually a good movie. He's made some, oh, he's made a couple of good movies. The Rampage series is really good. Anyway. I don't even know who you are anymore. Do you, have you ever seen Rampage or Rampage, yeah, I, the I'm, second I'm one? Back off of the Joel train now. You <laughs> need to see them both and, and talk to me after you've watched both the Rampage films. Did you watch well, this Big Lebowski again yet? No, I don't watch anything but scary movies in October. This is a rule. You owe me a Big Lebowski. I will. As soon as October is over, that's first on my list. Well, I'm so not it's... watching Death Proof until you do it. You don't have to. until <laughs> I, I just told you one for each. You can watch one or the other. But I'm going to watch it again. I don't buy welts on a bet. All right. So, yeah, next week, uh, since Mike isn't going to be around, we're going to... Uh, do a topic which uh, he is probably the least versed in of all of us. We're doing another music show. We're going to take a look at uh, rap music uh, then and now. Yeah, because I he's not lying. Not my thing. He can't beatbox like us. I'm gonna get a. I was gonna say I got to do my beatbox next week. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have an aneurysm talking about my hatred for the Beastie Boys. I'm sure. <sighs> oh boy. That's wrong again. Yeah, I'm with Joel on this one. Hatred. I, I mean, there are very few things in life I hate, like I hate the Beastie Boys. <sighs> the remake of Amityville Horror? Yeah. I, I liked it more. I did. Whoa. I like, yeah. Wow. I would rather watch this movie again than listen to a full album of the Beastie Boys. I don't even know you anymore, dude. Uh, I'm with Joel on this, and that disturbs me. <laughs> and since we don't know each other like anymore. The sound of silence. <laughs> So, yeah, I say so, we uh, get out. Yeah. So if you uh, have any comments, if you are the maybe the mom of the director of Emdyville <laughs> remake, call us. Let us know why we should why we're wrong. I mean, that's probably the only person who liked it. Um, call us seven zero eight now. Wrap seven zero eight six six nine nine seven two seven, and uh, find our older stuff on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, and Talkshoe. Yeah, don't forget to check us out uh, Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and by the way, we should mention what's coming up after the rap show. Yeah, we kind of alluded to uh, that at the top of the uh, hour when uh, we were doing listener feedback. But yeah, we're uh, we're going to do uh, two weeks of Arnold Schwarzenegger, finally. Yes. Yay! So certain I people mean, can... Eh. Yeah, so certain people can shut the hell up now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's... But yeah, yeah, Pat. So that's coming in two weeks. Listener. So will Pat. Although he's not hearing this because he's not listening. He would be so happy if he's going to be really happy when he catches up, I guess. <laughs> oh, I wonder, man. is he going to listen to him in order or is he going to go cut cut right to Arnold? Ooh, I don't know, man. We'll find uh, out. I, I think he'll go straight to Arnold and backtrack just to make sure we legitimately are doing it. And with him, that remember he said that's 15 weeks of backlog phone calls. Yep. Maybe we'll just have a, a show that's nothing but him ranting at us. <laughs> <laughs> the, the all Nenim Loss voicemail show. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, that's it. Like I said, you want to get in touch with us, we 
told you how. And uh, we, well, I won't be around, but uh, the guys will be around next week for the rap show and then Schwarzenegger after that. So uh, thanks for listening and have a good week. Out. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> I thought it, I, I liked that movie. <laughs> Thank you, background Phil. <laughs> We have a lot of skunks in this area. I actually fortunately saw one tonight the same time uh, he did when we were on our walk. <laughs> we have them all over here, too. It's crazy. What the hell's Sarah doing? Right? She's yelling no. I'm going to find out why. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. She's yelling no and spanking herself. Hi, Chewie. Hi, Sarah. Sounds like an evening.